we're going to continue our series on sustain. I think this is so important for us as a church. It's cool. I see people grabbing Bibles and notepads and stuff like that. Please be someone that does that more often. It'll help you beyond today. Um, I know you always have an archive you can go back to online or things like that. But yeah, take some notes and what they mean to you. But we're continuing in this series called Sustain because we believe that the best is yet to come. And we believe that we are the body of Christ and we are going to see it happening when we are present and well and doing what God has called us to do. All right? So we're excited for that. So I want to start today's message uh, with a story. How many of you guys love stories? Mm. How many of you love true stories? Right? Or, you know, those, those nonfiction books, you like those better than fiction? Okay, I'm going to tell you a true story to kick this off today. And this is a baseball story, all right? I mean, you got to love baseball stories, and you especially have to love baseball stories when you are the key player in the story, okay? This is my story. I grew up loving baseball. My mom's with me today. She can attest to that, that Sally Ann, as my father called me, playing baseball, yes, I'm not too scarred, just slightly. Sally Ann loved playing some baseball, okay? And I loved playing from, from a young age, probably around 10 is when I started. A lot of kids start earlier than that, but I think it was around 10 when I started. And I was also that kid that was on a, a fast track of growth, okay? What that meant was by the age of 12, I was wearing a size 12, all right? And I weighed a, a, a good bit of 120 pounds, if not more, okay? I was hefty. I was, I was, I was thick, right? I, I wore those, those husky pants, okay? I was that kid. Mom's like, it's not that bad. It was that bad, okay? Had more jiggle than jello, okay? And I remember I loved playing baseball, though. I loved it, you know, and I, I, was, I was in the growth spurt. I was excited. It was, it was when I was 11 years old, 12 years old, the last year of the majors, right? The majors before I was going to the big league, the senior league. And I remember stepping up, you know, and just whop, you know. And the thing is, there wasn't a lot of skill there. It was just I finally connected with the ball, okay? And the ball went and went and went top of the trees. Kind of Again, the field was only 30 feet deep. But, man, it felt great. All right? It was regulation. But it felt great. I loved baseball. You know, I, I continued to play baseball. It was the one thing I was really excited about. Even walking through Walmart the past couple days, you know, I was looking at some baseball. I was like, oh, baseball, you know? I loved it. So it was time for high school, all right? And, you know, you, you got the JV, the varsity. You guys remember that? Anybody play varsity sports in high school? Maybe you did. I would have loved to play varsity baseball, okay? So I remember this one season, and I was, man, I was really trying. I was really trying so hard for that week. It was tryouts. I was showing up. I got new cleats. You know, I got all the new stuff, the new bag, the, the bat. I was excited. And I, I was expecting to be a, a phenom, walk on, and just be the first baseman kind of thing. Well, can I tell you something? I did not make the team. Okay, I know, they didn't even give me a trophy when I walked away. It was weird. It was crazy. I know, right? Who does that? I'm crushed, Drew. I can't even stand before people now. And I remember Big John, okay? A name like that in and of itself is something to be thinking about. But that was my dad. And I remember his son, Sally Ann, was the world's greatest baseball player in his mind. He thought as though I should have been the walk-on success, that I should have made it, that I should be on that team, that Culpeper County has never seen something like this kind of thing, all right? And I remember he went to bat for me. I mean, he was so upset. Why can't my boy be on my boy's a good ball player? You know, all that kind of stuff. Can I tell you the truth about the story? 
How much did I work out for that week of tryouts? How much pitching, catching, you know, fielding balls did I do? How much batting, how many times was I in the cage prior to tryouts? Goose egg. And I expected to be a walk-on phenom purely by the gifts that God had given me and that I would be the most amazing player in the world. And my dad thought the same. So he went to that coach and again said, my boys, and they're like, I'm sorry. He doesn't have the goods to play varsity baseball. See, we go in Scripture to Matthew 20, and we see kind of a similar situation where there's a mom, okay, that believes in her boys so much that these guys should have special placement in the kingdom of heaven. That these guys are so important. These boys, man, I'm telling you what, that's Justin Myers. That boy can hit a ball country mile. When he was 12 years old, he put it in the trees. He ain't got it now, Mr. Myers. I'm sorry. This mama here said, my boys, Jesus, can we talk about this? Because I want to set them up for something that I want to make our name famous. I want us to be the most amazing. You know, I want to, my kids have it in them. And we look at this story here, and we see Jesus having this person kneeling beside him and asking him for a favor. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, remember that Zebedee, it's one of those fun names in Scripture, came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, you know, I always picture again the accent, Lord Jesus, can I kneel beside you and ask you a question, kind of thing, asked a favor of him. And Jesus says, what is it you want? What do you want? She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other your left in your kingdom. See, we're seeing this, this kingdom thing come up. And if you read in Scripture at all and you look at it in context, this, this kingdom thing is far different than anything we've ever known in this world, okay? Because this, this kingdom thing is set up on far different things, and, and, and they were understanding this firsthand for themselves as Jesus is responding to the request, the favor asked of him from this woman regarding her sons. We'll talk about it more in just a moment. Jesus responds, you don't know what you're asking. Woman, you, you don't know what you're saying here. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't get it. And then Jesus said to them, hey, guys, come here, come here, come here. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? I know this is kind of like religious verbiage that kind of may not make a lot of sense. They're like, yeah, Jesus, I'll drink from the cup. Just pass it on down. I'll take a little sip. Thank you, Jesus. No, 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 no. No, you don't get it. This kingdom thing I'm talking about is far different. And this cup, this illustration that I'm giving to you is far different than anything else in this world. It's a cup of suffering. It's a cup of entering into what I am going through. And they said to him in response, we can. We can. He says, hey, yeah, you will, you will indeed drink my cup. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. See, these places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. See, even in this moment, Jesus is coming up under the authority of God. A messenger sent, right? A prophet sent, you know, someone sent for an exclusive purpose, but yet still coming up under the Father. What you're asking me, I can't even do. When the ten heard about this, we see the shift. We watch the ten in the room, and they're like, why did they bring their mother here? What in, come, Big John, why are you here? You know the boy don't have the goods. 
bless his heart. That's another Southern thing. He just, bless his, he just said, oh, precious. <laughs> Put your bat away. Put your glove. Going home. Going home. Big John, you should, he was humongous. 6'4", over 300 pounds. I mean, yeah. The, 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 the others were watching and listening because they see this mom show up, but they also see these guys always, everybody was vying for the greatness of the kingdom. Everybody was always wanting to have the space at the table, the place at the table and, and, and be with Jesus and, and, and do life with Jesus, but they didn't really understand yet the cost and what this was about. So when they looked to these two, they were indignant. They were angry. They were offended. And Jesus called them together and said, you know what the rulers of the Gentiles, right? You, you know that the, the rulers of the Gentiles, they, they lord it over them. And their high officials, they exercise authority over them. Not so with you. See, Jesus is saying, I'm setting up something different here. We're doing something different here than anybody knows or understands. You understand kingdom principles in this world. But I'm doing something different with kingdom principles that transcend beyond this world. And he says, Listen, guys, you're different. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant, must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first, well, they must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This type of conversation happened a lot between Jesus and these guys. And also all the other folks that were listening in at all times. There was always people listening and watching to the conversations that Jesus was having with others. And they're talking about this kingdom and how important it will be. And Jesus is flipping it upside down so that they understand the reason now that I am having these kingdom talks. Comes in this last verse about this ransom idea. So what we believe, guys, is that we're here for a purpose as a church. We get that from Scripture, to love God, to love people, and to create community. We talked about last week how important it is, right, with, with loving people. We talked about with, with serving before a little bit. We've talked about many different things. But when it comes to this creation of community, this is something that we're going to camp on today. And, and when we think about this kingdom community, these things come at a cost. This stuff isn't free. And you already know we're talking about servanthood today, and you're wondering, like, how does that play into this? I'm not standing here today as your pastor saying, hey, I need you to go to the website. You know, we showed you the tab a couple weeks ago where you can go and hit your serve interest and things like that. I'm not up here begging you today to serve at the church. I don't want you to do that, actually. I don't want you. If you feel obligated, please don't do that. I'm challenging you today with the words of Jesus Christ that he left with his disciples as to how important it is to serve. And how we will see that accomplished in our own lives and the cost that it takes. So the first thing is this, when we talk about this cost of community. This cost of community is something that is understood when we truly grasp authority. When you think about authority, you think about something that you got to grab a hold of. When you think of that word grasp, it means to grab a hold of something and to own it for yourself. See, authority is such a major thing because we know it's the power right, or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. We talked about authority a few weeks ago when we talked about the Lord and the authority that he has over our lives. We talked about that understanding and how we walk in that authority. We talked about authority that I have as a pastor of the local church, 
but also we have more authority than we think that is personal to you yourself today. See, authority can go either way, and I think that's what's so important for us to understand today. As Jesus makes the example of the Gentiles, he talks about authority that is exercised over people. Have you ever had that friend to come up behind you, and you, you don't hear him coming, but they're like, jump on your back, and all of a sudden you feel the full weight of your friend, and then you, full, you feel the flatness and the hardness of the ground? Anybody understand what I'm talking about there? Okay, they're like, I want a piggyback ride. I'm like, you didn't tell me, okay? I'm like mid-stride face-planting because you wanted a piggyback ride. You weigh too much. I'm smaller than you. That's not typical for me, but remember, <laughs> fat boy slim at 12 years old, hitting the baseball, you know? But when we think of authority, we, we, we look in these, these worldly kingdom standards, it's something that people oppress and, and put down over somebody to hold them down. See, this authority is much different as authority that is freeing for us. See, Jesus says, not so with you. See, you live and have your being, your being with the authority of God in you so that you have authority over yourself and the decisions that God wants you to make that would give him honor and give him praise and would build his kingdom. As we truly grasp authority, we understand this. We are designed to exercise God's authority over our own lives, right? And for God's kingdom. Not to have somebody exercise their authorities over us. Just his authority living through us and us exercising that authority over ourselves. The cost. The second thing when we think about community, it is something that is achieved See, these, these are things that are so important. It's achieved. And you think about achievements in life. How do most achievements come? Maybe when you're thinking about schooling and things like that. Through what we learn. And the first part is learning to serve. Learning to serve. Matthew 20, 25 through 26. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles, right, they lord over them. Remember, we know this. They exercise the authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, this is so important to get. And there's a difference between these two words here. Instead, whoever wants to become great amongst you must become your servant. To serve. Another word for serve is minister. So often we downplay our effectiveness in the, in, in the kingdom and in the community thinking that we do not have the goods to minister. Do you ever feel that way? So often we think, well, there's somebody else that can do it better. So often we think that I just don't have what it takes to make this happen. It's just not in the cards for me. When we look at this word to serve, we see a word diakonos there, that one who moves in a hurry, all right, we understand that, but also one that is, is willing and desires to serve. To serve what? When we look into Scripture, we see one who would serve tables, but we also see one who would serve the church. Again, this isn't me getting up here saying, fill out a serve tab. This is us looking to the scripture and to what Jesus said in the words that he used as an understanding that we are here to serve and minister to our community, to serve tables, but also to serve the church. We look in Acts 6, this reference of serving tables. We see as these first century Christians, believers, and apostles were working together to build the church. How exciting was that time? It's been so exciting for us as the foundry to build this together over these last four years. It's been amazing. It's been daunting. It's been overwhelming. But it's been amazing. 
And there's been times over these last years that me as as the leader pastor was serving tables or doing this or doing that when I should have been, I don't know, prepping the Word of God for Sunday. Right? Even so, I've had people say, hey, shouldn't you be prepping the Word versus serving the tables? Yeah, you're right. What does that mean? It means that we have this daunting task ahead of us to grow this church and to serve this community well. But it's going to take all of us. What happened in this moment? They came around each other and said, we've got to do something about this. There's so many more people in this room that are so much more able than you. Let's appoint people. We hear about that with Stephen being appointed at that time. Let's appoint people that will do greater things through more numbers than just you doing everything. Giving somebody a chance to serve, to bring their gifts, to bring their talents, and serving alongside one another. We see this picture of a servant, a beautiful picture of Jesus and who he was and what he came to do because, see, he was flipping the script in this because he's saying, this is what I came to do for you and what you get to do for others. We look at this as a challenge when Jesus is asking us, number one, to be a servant. You're like, but it sounds like it's the same thing. No, it'll make sense in just a moment that servant and bond servant slave are different things. Because he's asking us to be a servant, to have a heart to serve, to have a desire to serve, and he's asking us to do it now. Because another meaning of that word, servant, is someone who does it in a hurry, that creates a dust cloud behind him. How often do we sit back again and think, I don't have enough of this. I don't have enough of that. Man, look how great they are at it. Look how great they are at that. No, 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 no. The truth is that God has given you something to do. We have also created opportunities on this side, yes. But God has given you a unique gift and talent that he does not want you to sit on. That he wants you to get up in a hurry and make some dust behind you as you go flooding in to the opportunities, whether it's waiting tables or whether it's serving in the church. This understanding that these are New Testament examples of church growth and opportunities for you to make a difference. The third thing when it comes to the cost of community, right? Community is growing. We look at these words as active and moving words. This is community that is growing as we become like the slave. And I think this is so important that we, we differentiate between these two. Not so with you again. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. What's the difference here? There's a dichotomy in between these two words, servant and slave or bondservant. See, to be great, you have to be a servant. To be first, you have to be last. You have to be a slave. When you think about someone who is a servant, this is you taking a moment and, and filling a temporary need, right? Oh, you, you need someone to greet. Oh, you need someone to, to clean this. Oh, you need to, oh, I can do that. Or, oh, I went on a four-month mission trip to Africa. It was amazing. Loved it. That was a temporary service project. The difference between serving and becoming like a bond servant slave is the understanding that when we give our lives over to the Lord, right, and we become like a slave unto him. He is our master. That we are doing it with kingdom heavenly changes. The weight is different in this. A servant is someone that will temporarily do something. 
But a slave is someone that will take the good news gospel message every single day to every single person that they speak with. It's different. Jesus made a difference with these these words when he was speaking. Because he's saying, look guys, you can feel temporary things. But my challenge to you is to do eternal things. You can do temporary things that make a tremendous difference. You can serve in kids' ministry. You can greet someone at the door. You can make coffee. Absolutely. You can volunteer downtown at Christian Help or Empty Bowls Ministries that we're associated with. You could do this stuff, and man, it would be such a wonderful, temporary difference that you're going to make. But when you talk to them about what I'm going to do, because see, guys, this story is different with you. Remember, this time it's different because I'm talking about different things. The reason why I'm here to die was that ransom idea. We'll talk about that in just a moment. You're here to share the good news that I came. And that's all of our goal, to be a slave to that message. Every single day with pleasure, waking up and saying, I get to tell somebody about Jesus. I get to share my story. I get to tell of how good Jesus has been to me and what his death and resurrection meant to me. I am a happy bondservant slave to this idea. I love that I get to do this. Because it's one thing to sign up for an event. It's another thing to sign on to a lifestyle of evangelism and good news message. It's our job. It's our chief end. It's what we're here to do, guys. We're here to seek and save, just like he did. Seek and save. We can't save them. You're not able to. But you can point to the one who saved you. Right? That's our job. That's why we exist. Otherwise, let's just close it down and do something else. We can be a volunteer organization or we can be a people that serve. We can be a people that, that are willingly, lovingly bond servants to Jesus Christ and the mission of God and sending his only begotten son. Or we can just go do something else. I think we need to do this. This is the most important thing we have to do. It's one thing to sign up. It's another to sign on. So important. Because Jesus says, I came, another word, again, for serving as minister, not to minister, but to be, right, a minister. Not to be ministered to, but to be a minister to others. We see that example of how he was so willing to wash his disciples' feet. It is so hard to read that story. Uh, anybody else with me on that? Is that just me? Whoo, Jesus, you are the man, okay? You are the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah, there's no one beside you because wow. But he says, look, I'm going to step down. I'm going to take off my garment. I'm going to assume the lowest position in the house, and I'm going to wash your stinky, nasty feet. You wore flip-flops for this whole week, and you didn't, do, you didn't even walk in a river to clean them things. You are gross, but I am going to humble myself, you know what I'm saying, and show you physically what it looks like to be sent by God on a mission to serve and to save. That's why I'm here. He said, I'm flipping the script because, guys, you think that this kingdom is all about you sitting around the table and being a part of this royal clan, these folk that, that are just pompous and pious. But no, 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 no. It's about not being seen and not even being known. It's about getting down, taking off your garments and washing and wiping their feet, becoming like a slave. As our worship team 
makes their way up this morning. The last thing that is so important for us to get when it comes to the cost of community. Again, there has had, had to be things that were exchanged throughout this whole time. In order to grow, we had to become like a slave, right? There was an exchange there. In order to, 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 to be people that, that are, are, are learning to serve, you know, there had to be this, uh, this desire to, to achieve, to work toward. So important. And to, to, to grasp the authority, again, we had to, to understand, we had to wrap our minds around a new way of thinking, which is so hard to do, isn't it? The last thing for community to be owned in this place, the cost, the cost of community is when we come to die. You're like, wow, that's a wonderful ending. That is so exciting. I love this church. So glad I decided to come here for the first time ever. Wow. So that really is an altar. Wow, that's scary. Nobody's dying today. Not like that. See, Jesus again says, not so with you, guys. What we're doing here, what we're doing here is different. Right? What we're doing is totally different. To become great, guys. I know we all want that. You got to learn to serve. To become first, guys. Listen, you got to become like a slave. You got to understand that you're here to give of yourself whatever that looks like so that the good news message can go forth. Gospel. That you can share this. He says, just like the Son of Man did. So he didn't come to be served, but to serve. And he said, here's the reason why, guys. I know we've had this conversation many, many times before, and I, and I already let the cat out the bag in a good way with this. It's because I came to give my life as a ransom. You ever watch movies or read books where there's a ransom note given? Right? You know what I'm talking about here? I love that. I, I love those kind of movies. It's like, oh, it's getting excited. Oh, I love it. <laughs> you know, just stuff blaring and, you know, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm into Taken now. Taken, uh, it's, it's on uh, Netflix. Anybody? Oh, 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 revival just happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think some people like it with me. I get excited about that. It's fun, you know. It's like, you won't get her back unless. And then the eyes, you know. It's like, what's wrong with your eyes? Nothing. It's mystique. <laughs> It's like your mystique is scaring me right now. It's taking me captive. Okay. Ransom. There's a financial component attached to that always. There's, there's, there's typically a money mount or maybe a, a favor of some sort or a giving of some sort of product in exchange to get back the one you love and care about. See, Jesus came to pay that ransom. Like, man, we talk about this stuff all the time. Yes, we will. Because if it wasn't for Jesus coming to pay the ransom for every single person in this room, think about it. Who would we be? What would we really have? Yeah, we could have things, possessions, and all that. But who would we really be if we didn't have the good news living within us? Jesus Christ. He said, guys, we're building something different here. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to come and die. I'm going to ask you to drink of this cup. And, and, and it's going to take your life. It will. I mean, you're giving everything when you, when you come and drink of my cup. When you come and follow me, 
with a cloud of dust behind you, when you come to serve and you come to, to humble yourself like a slave, listen, there's going to be a cloud of dust behind you. I know it because you're running after me. Look, I know you're, you're counting the cost because you know that I came to pay the ransom for every single person. He said, and I'm asking you, come to die. There's a man by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Somebody likes him. A man that lived in probably one of the most tumultuous times in world history. In the midst of World War II, in the midst of Hitler's reign, and, and fear that he was giving the whole world, this man lived. This man lived as someone who lived for Christ. Someone that was a theologian, someone that, that had many doctorates, I mean, at young age, I mean, died at the age of 39, okay? Legitimate, all right? This was a man that knew he was in this world to make a difference. He knew he was in this world to bring about an amazing change. And he's brought that about for decades since. You may have read, read some of his work, Cost of Discipleship, maybe. It's something that's important to you. But what's unique about this man? See, he could see that everything was getting pretty tumultuous. That Germany was, was really, you know, taking over, obviously. The, the, the Nazi regime was, was crazy and spreading like crazy. And he knew that if I want to see Christianity come back to Germany after this is all over, I have to do something about it. So he said, you know what I'm going to do? Everybody around him says, you know, this is the best thing for you to do. You should leave Germany. Leave Germany as quickly as you can, because if you stay here, you know, Dietrich, that this will not be good for you. You will die here, okay? You will die proclaiming this good news message, because, you know, Adolf Hitler does not like what you're doing at all, all right? So what does he do? He boards a ship, and he's sent over to America. As soon as his feet touches the ground, I mean, I, I can't imagine. I would have been so excited, right, to escape all of that, to have an understanding of freedom, and to not have to worry about dying, at the hands of this terrible man. But as soon as his feet hit the ground, he says to himself, I've got to go back. I did the wrong thing. How else am I going to bring about Christianity once again unless I am with my people through it all? If I don't walk with them, if I don't serve them, whoo, if I'm not willing, I know I'll be in a concentration camp. But if I'm not willing to go there, will they be willing to listen? If I'm not willing to step out of my comfort zone and serve and be a minister of the gospel, is it, why am I? I got to go back. 29 days later, that's how long it took for him to get rite of passage back. He made his way back to Germany. And again, I'd love to say that everything was hunky-dory and he went on and wrote amazing things and had amazing churches in Germany. But he died at the hands of the Nazis. But there's a, a quote that we all have probably quoted before that really inspires this last conversation point today. 
And this quote is, is so powerful, but pretty short. When Christ calls a man, Christ calls a woman, he bids him or her come and die. When Christ calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light, he says, are you willing? I like that. That's good. I like that. <laughs> are you willing to play snazzy music at the end? That's altar call music. Y'all don't know that. He says, are you willing to die? Are you willing to give every single thing, put everything on the table to come follow me? We know with the disciples' lives, they did drink of that cup. If you're reading scripture, you'll see that. We are fortunate to live in a nation that we have religious freedom. We can assemble today in church and have freedom of speech. I can preach from the word of God and I'm not afraid. I'm afraid to be taken out of context on social media, but that's about it. But I'm not afraid. The cost is way lower these days, isn't it? To follow Jesus. We don't have as much to lose as they used to. Jesus is just an adornment. It's like a pair of earrings you wear. Oh, this is my Christian earrings. This is my Christian shoes. He's saying, listen, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to walk with my people through this so that I have the right to be heard in the midst of this. And he was preaching up to the end the good news message because he was a slave to that message. Not unto Hitler, unto Jesus Christ. We have a unique opportunity. We have a unique opportunity to come and die. To put everything on the table and say, Jesus, here's my life. Because he says, I bid you. He says, I'm giving you an offer, an opportunity to do something more amazing, more spectacular than you could ever imagine. But it takes you humbling yourself. So this is how I want us to respond today. A couple different ways. There's cards in the seat back in front of you where you can correspond to us if you make a faith decision. That's so important, okay? And we can journey with you if you'd like before or after service. I mean, during or after service up here. But I'm going to ask you, because we can't all fit up here, but if you would love to come up here, that'd be great too. That when you're really ready to take a stand and die to self, maybe that does look like understanding Jesus as your personal Savior. If Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a real person, was willing to do this, not someone in the Bible, because I know how that can feel sometimes. Oh, they're just biblical characters. No, 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 they're real people too. But current day, things we understand, if he's willing to do it, I want to do it too. Because I want to live in the fullness of the call that God has on my life to serve others and to share the good news message. But you need to experience the good news first. If you want to do that, please let us know through that card. But when you're ready to take that stand, okay, don't stand up until you're ready. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Because that is your, your action. And hopefully you'll stand so quickly that dust will flow around you, you know, that you're, you're wanting to follow in his footsteps. You want to run toward this opportunity. 
But that is our goal, that we respond. Again, yeah, you can fill out serve interest forms online and all that stuff for the foundry, but the greatest thing you can ever do is love Jesus and love others. And you love them by telling them about him and what he did for you. Okay? So those are our two ways to respond this morning. If you would like to come up, we'd love that. We'll pray for you. Anything you need, we're here for you. But your response is standing and asking for forgiveness and repentance and turning toward him and then going after this thing. Serving with everything in you. The most important thing you can ever do. All right? So close your eyes with me this morning as we end this time together. Jesus, we thank you for coming as a perfect example of what it looks like to lay down our lives. So today we don't take that for granted. And maybe for the first time we ask for forgiveness or maybe for the third or fourth, Lord, and we we repent, we turn from a life that is not of you and we turn to you and we say, here I am, use me, point me in the right direction, do with me what you please. And Lord, our second response is this. We want to die today so that others may live. Lord, we're willing to put on the altar everything that we have. Lord, so that you can be everything to someone within our reach. Lord, we are sobered by the understanding that people need to meet you today. And Jesus, that it's not my job, but it's our job as the church to lead them. So Lord, help us be sobered in this moment with that understanding. And Lord, when we're ready, help us to confidently and boldly stand, knowing, Lord, that you've called us to make a difference, that we're set apart, Lord, for heavenly kingdom building on this earth until we're with you forever. Lord, help us this morning for some of us, it may be a step, Lord, of bravery, Lord, of uh, discomfort standing because you have challenged us with things in our minds and hearts, even today as we've listened to Jesus speak, that we need to step out. And I pray, Lord, that we count the cost of community and what it will take to build that kingdom community and we're willing to cash it all in. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Love you. Bless you.